Welcome to AACS Today, the official podcast of the American Association of Christian Schools. Thank you for joining us on this episode of AACS Today. I'm Matt Tiskus, host of AACS Today and regional director for the Mid-South region of the American Association of Christian Schools. Hey, if you subscribe to our podcast, our show can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Deezer, Listen Notes, iHeartRadio, Shopify, and TuneIn. People, we have given you choices, so you need to subscribe to our podcast. So please do that and leave a review for us. That would certainly be helpful. On today's podcast, we're joined by an experienced panel of educators, and we'll be discussing connecting with and educating lower elementary students during this time of distance learning. We know that high school, middle school, and even upper elementary students may have an easier time adapting to a different method of content delivery, but how can we be most effective with students in K-5 through grade three? On our panel, we have two uh, members of admin teams and two teachers. So before we dive in, let's go ahead and meet the panel, and I'm going to ask each panel member to answer a question as you introduce yourself. So let's start with Patty. Patty, tell us a little bit about yourself and answer this question. What's been your school's biggest challenge during this time? Well, my name is Patty Cattuto, and I am the vice administrator at Victory Baptist Academy in Weatherford, Texas. But coming to the biggest challenge that we have faced uh, this year with the coronavirus crisis, I think I can, two things that have come up, especially when dealing with the lower grades, has been communication with parents. And we feel as if we've done a good job communicating. uh, And yet, as we've sent out some surveys and gotten some feedback, we see that maybe we can improve in that area a little bit. So I don't think that we can ever over communicate in things that we are trying to accomplish. So I think that's definitely been a challenge And for our lower grade parents, especially, some of the feedback that we've gotten and the biggest challenge for them specifically has been they felt overwhelmed with the amount of work and time that they have to put into helping their younger students accomplish uh, their daily workload, their daily school load. So I think that's been a big challenge for us and a learning curve and trying to help our teachers understand where the parents are coming from in the midst of this and trying to get them uh, accustomed to maybe dialing back a little bit and yet still being thorough and rigorous in the education that we're providing. Okay, good. Thank you for that. Leah, let's go to you next. Introduce yourself and then answer this question if you would, please. What's something you've enjoyed about this time, either personally or professionally? Well, yes, my name is Leah Mion, and I am a second grade teacher at Northside Christian School. And one thing that I have enjoyed professionally is um, using, just tapping into different creative ways uh, in order to provide instruction in these unique times. There are things that I'm able to do from my home um, that I wouldn't dream of doing in the classroom, just from a classroom management point of view it might be too hard um and so i've i've enjoyed that uh personally i i have five children and i've just enjoyed being home 
you know, with, with my children and I have a first grader and I've been able just to spend more time with him in his schoolwork, just working one-on-one with him. Well, that's great. And your school is located in where again? North Charleston, South Carolina. North Charleston, South Carolina. Okay, very good. Thank you. All right, Gavin, uh, introduce yourself and then tell us, have you and your team settled into a rhythm yet? And what does that kind of look like and feel like for your school? Sure. Um, my name is Gavin Lockerbie. I'm the school administrator at Northside Christian School, where um, Leah is a teacher. Um, this is our 45th year here in Charleston, serving um, serving our community, and it's my third year here um, with the school. Um, as far as your question goes, I do think we have find we have um, kind of finally gotten into a rhythm. Teachers seem to be um, they're all on their own rhythm, so whatever works best for them. Um, but thankfully, we are in a rhythm, and I think our our families, um, our school families are, are noticing that. Good. Well, thanks for joining us. Finally, let's go to Judy, our, uh, our last panelist. Uh, last but not least, Judy, introduce yourself, please, and share with our listeners something unexpected that you've learned or experienced during this time. Hi, my name is Judy Martin, and I teach second grade at Grace Christian School in West Columbia, South Carolina. I've been teaching there for almost 20 years. Um, I the unexpected thing was is a personal thing for me because uh, my husband moved from South Carolina to North Carolina on a job transfer a couple months ago. So the unexpected thing was because we're distance learning, I can teach from North Carolina and be able to be with my husband, um, even though my kids are far away. So it's been kind of fun um, just being in a different place, but still carrying on and st- keeping that connection with the students. That's interesting how that worked out for you, Uh, but that's great. So you could be with your husband and still continue teaching. Well, thanks panelists for joining us. Looking forward to getting your feedback. Patty, I want to start with you though, because um, this is such a great idea and it's not necessarily a focus on lower elementary, although lower elementary students will certainly appreciate it, but share with us just briefly uh, what you all have been doing uh, lately with your families at VBA. Sure. Uh, we had this awesome idea of making one of our school vans into an ice cream truck. And so we purchased some of the fun ice cream, like the character ones, Sonic, Tweety Bird, all those different types of ice cream from an ice cream distributor. We rigged our ice cream freezer in one of our school vans. We have a little table in there with a little menu And we, over the last few days and still continuing on, are making our rounds to every single family in our student body. And it has really been a great experience. Uh, Number one, we've gotten the opportunity to see our students face-to-face, which has been great. Uh, And so it's been nice as one of the administrators to just see our students, ask them how they're doing, how's school, how are they feeling, uh, and it's been really interesting because we're seeing whole families. So you get to see the whole family. They all get to come out, pick out what ice cream that they want, uh, and just check on them. Check on just how they're doing, how the Lord's blessing them, if they're having any struggles. Is there something that we can pray with them about? So it's been really good for us as uh, administrators to kind of get out there and see our families. And it's also been uh, eye-opening and um, humbling in, in some respects is we we've seen a vast um, oh, just a vast array of where our students live. And so that has been 
interesting for me as an administrator specifically to see uh, that our families really do sacrifice to send our students, to send their students to our school and how they value Christian education. So I know that has been really just something I didn't expect to see. Uh, and so that's been really great. But the overwhelming response has just been great. Our Facebook has been blowing up with families just posting pictures and it, we've just gotten a great response and it has really helped to build our school community in a time uh, in our culture in a time when we're not physically together. Yeah. Give us some context just quickly before we sure. move on into the size of your school, just to help our listeners understand okay. um, what the undertaking is. We have 200, about 250 students. It comes out to about 140 something families. But in order to see each and every one of them, we bought a little app. We put all the addresses in there and it comes out to a little bit over a thousand miles that we will have to cover in order to see every single family and get to every single house. So we started a couple of days ago and we're almost halfway through here on Thursday. And we have a couple different shifts happening, but we only got one van. Uh, but so it is a big undertaking, uh, but I think it's something that is just really important to be able to see those students during this time, let them know that and just love on them a little bit, even from social distancing, but love on them a little bit and just let them know that we're thinking of them and, and that, that we love them, that we're, we care about them very much. Yeah, that's good. Thanks for sharing that. And I wanted to share that here at the beginning because I want to continuously remind our schools that culture is something that can't be taken from you. That is something that you own. And so as much as you can develop and drive culture into your organization, you know, during a time when enrollment and re-enrollment and admissions is tough, it's tough because people can't physically come to your property in most places right now to see your facilities and to get a sense for what school's like, things that we can do to build our culture. So thanks for sharing uh, that idea uh, with us, because I think that's something that, you know, another school might take that idea or find something similar that they can do. So excellent. Gavin, I want to go to you next though, thinking now about lower elementary and as a head of school, talk to me about how your lower elementary teachers and uh, have pivoted and how quickly they've done so. How long did it take for them to get up and running? Uh, well, here in our state, which we're in South Carolina, um, we found out on a Sunday evening that um, school would be canceled. And so um, the next day was Monday. And so uh, for that first week, we just did things like um, sending home packets and communicating via, via email. Um, but on Friday of that first week, we had a training um, here at schools with social distancing. And um, beginning on that following Monday, um, after, well, actually we had a week of spring break. And then after that, um, we had uh, videos up for our students. So our teachers are, are doing one video per subject um, per day for our students. And, and so really within one school week, we were able to, to get that up and running. Um, of course, that was more difficult for some teachers than others. Um, but everyone really came on board quickly. And so um, with one week of school and then a week of spring break, most of my teachers worked right through spring break, trying to get a jump start on recording videos and, and making sure they had their classroom set up on our learning management software. Um, so, but in that amount of time, they were able to thankfully get up and running. It's incredible that we see the same thing around the country with our schools is how quick and nimble they've been able to be and how quickly they've gotten up and running in a matter of just a couple of weeks or less 
um, our teachers have accomplished a great task. And that's a credit to our, the leadership in our schools, like Gavin, and to, and to the teachers who have just had to completely shift their mindset. It's been really good. Gavin, has there been kind of one overarching message or theme you're trying to communicate to your team and especially those lower elementary teachers? Yeah, so at, from an administrative standpoint, what I've really tried to remind them of often um, is that we just need to have an overabundance of grace with our families, um, it, just in being flexible. You know, teachers are very um, determined and they're very organized people. And sometimes it can be very um, difficult when a curveball is thrown like that so quickly. And so we've just tried to remind them from an administrative side, um, just be gracious with with families and with students. We have lots of families who work, both parents are still working. And so school doesn't happen till the evening. Um, and we just, uh, my catchphrase was there's no room for sticklers. Um, so we just have to be, we have to give them grace and extend grace. And, and with that, hope that they'll extend grace to us because of course this is our first time as well. Um, so that's kind of been my, my theme for this process. Yeah, that's good. And I think what was thrown at your teachers is more than a curveball. I think I would call that a disqualification, a forfeiture, something other than a curveball. This has been, absolutely. this has been quite a change. Leah, um, you uh, are a teacher there um, at, at the school where Gavin is head of school, and it sounds like you were up and running uh, pretty quickly. What has your mindset been kind of through this process and as you were getting started? Well, I've kept two targets at the forefront of my mind, and the first is instruction and the second is connection. And you really do need both of those those targets in order for this virtual distance learning to be effective. Um, if you have instruction and no connection, um, it's going to be more stressful for the children and the parents uh, that you're, it's more stress that you're adding on top of an already very stressful situation. Um, when you have that connection, you are drawing the students in. They want to watch the videos. Um, they are excited. You're keeping a, a semblance of normalcy in, in their lives. And, and through that, you're, you're consequently, you are serving them well. Mm. And um, so th- that's been my mindset. And when I sit down to make videos or create activities, I, I try to think, am I accomplishing these two goals? That is good. So good. Instruction and connection. Um, share with us, if you would, Leah, some of the specific tools and strategies that you're using with your students. Okay, well, let me just, um, full disclosure, I am not a tech-savvy <laughs> person, so maybe that can be an encouragement to somebody who might be overwhelmed um, by all the techno- technological aspects of uh, distance learning. Um, I basically use an iPhone and a, a tripod, and that's just, that's not even technology there, and, um, and then the iMovie app. And the way that I weave that connection throughout my instruction, um, first of all, use your students' names. I mean, toss out those. If you've got Bill and Susie, unless you actually have a Bill or a Susie in your classroom, don't use those names. Use your students' names. Even as a parent, I have. it has just brought joy to my heart when my child pops out her earbud and hollers across the room, Mom! She just used my name. And then she'll, uh, speaking of her teacher that she's watching, and it does bring so much joy to the children. Also, their interests. If you know a student loves Argentina, you know, the soccer team, they um, throw that in a story problem. Um, 
you know, you can weave that just, that's just a way of weaving that connection throughout your instruction. Another way is um, I ask the students to text pictures. Um, when we began reading, uh, reading, which is a very challenging subject to mm. do um, it, from a distance, um, when we began our reading instruction, I started out with a video showing the kids, this is my favorite reading spot, and it's just a spot on my couch. Mm-hmm. And I asked them to text me a picture of their favorite reading spot. And it was so cute. They, I mean, their favorite reading spot was in a fort, um, was in their backyard, it was in a little corner of their room. Um, and then one was really sweet. It was a little boy, and it showed his... Um, his dad who was at work and it showed him reading to his dad, FaceTiming his dad. That was his favorite reading spot. And I'll take those texts and those photos and I can add them and show them to the class on my next video. And I'll narrate it. Hey, this is Carson's favorite reading spot. Oh, I love that colorful chair. And you just add some narration to that to make it even more personal. Yeah, those are such great suggestions. And again, part of what we want to do with this podcast is we're we're not trying to present, you know, this is how you have to do things. We just want to share ideas because, um, you know, another teacher out there listening to this may not have thought of, oh, that's such a great idea. So uh, those are great. Did you have something else to add, Leah? Well, I have a whole list here. Do you want me to keep, just go keep going? Keep going. <laughs> and these are just things that I've done or that I'm planning on doing. Um, you know, also think thinking ahead. Our school has a drop off time each Tuesday where parents come. They drop off work, and of course, we take all the precautions and right. you know using face masks. And they drop off work. Well, take advantage of that time and send home supplies that a student might need for to do a fun science project we just did um the uh, a pollination simulation so i sent home little bags of cheese puffs and some die cut flowers and then the next day there was a video walking the the children through that and i got some great feedback from parents about how their their child just loved doing that um also, you can uh, send kids on scavenger hunts throughout the house. And when you do that, the fun of that is having them take a picture and send it. It's mm-hmm. no fun to just go on a scavenger hunt and then, okay, it's kind of the wonk wonk. <laughs> <laughs> There's nobody to show it to because you're giving them that connection with their classmates. When you're putting together that video and showing one another's pictures and uh, making comments about that, incorporate games that you would normally play in the classroom. Now this has been a stretch because it's hard to play games when it's just you and a video um, and you don't actually have the children there. One of my students' favorite spelling games is Sparkle. And it's basically all the children are lined up in front of the classroom and they spell the words one letter at a time going down the line. And Mm -hmm. then when the word the last person spells the word, the next person says sparkle, and then the following person is out. They love that game. I know they miss that game. So I sort of assembled a cast of characters. You think of a Toy Story casting call. And, you know, we had a panda. We had Captain America. I just got toys around my house, and they were the sparkle avatars. And the kids play, so before, so I'll videotape actually conducting a game of Sparkle, 
with these toys. So, you know, we've got sparkly python, um, a T-Rex, a Roblox figure, things that you know your kids love. Right. And you just conduct the game of Sparkle. I'll tell the kids, hey, pick your avatar. You want to be Panda or Sparkly Python or T-Rex or Captain America, whoever you want to you wanna be. You pick that avatar and then you play Sparkle. And I will actually spell the words going down and, oh, no, the Lamborghini is out. And <laughs> so... And it's, it's funny and it seems so ridiculous, but I tell you that after the first time I did the sparkle, I got texts from parents. They loved that. That was so fun. And, um, I'm thankful for that feedback because then I know, okay, I'll do that again. Yeah, that's um, good. And I think, I think I'd like to be the sparkly python at some point. Yeah. Maybe we could, maybe we could pull that out. Let me, let me, let me, um, Shift here to Judy for just a second, Lee. I want to come back to some of those some of those ideas. Okay. But uh, Judy, uh, I know one of the things that you shared with me when we spoke before was that you're using eight ish minute video recordings. Tell tell our listeners about that. Um, I use the um, app Cl- Class Dojo to connect with my students and my parents, um, and because of that, there is an eight limit eight minute limit that they have um, on the videos. So I've tried to just kind of figure out what's the most important thing to teach per subject per day um, and trying to minimize it to that. Sometimes if I have to go a little bit longer, I'll just do like a continued video on that. But I try and keep it as small as possible just because it holds their attention better than after eight minutes. They're pretty much not there with me anymore. Yeah, perfect. And Judy, uh, as a follow-up to that, what other kind of specific tools? I mean, you mentioned Class Dojo, but what other specific tools and strategies are you using with your second-grade students? Okay, I use um, the app Doceri, and what I do, uh, my kids are used to doing um, their seat work with me in class, and so I have pictures of the, their papers that they're doing, but with the Doceri app, I can record Nice part about it, it tells me my amount of time so I can know if I need to kind of hurry along or whatever. But um, I can go ahead and mark on the screen. So if we're talking about doing a problem, I can actually do it right there for the students so they're seeing how it's done. Um, I know when I practice spelling words with them, uh, we do our normal drill like we would in class. I can um, go to each word and put a little dot beside it to help keep them focused where we're at and doing that. Um, I also like to use the uh, app quiz. Um, After they do their reading, we have um, questions with the reading text that we have. And so they can go to quiz and um, answer questions. It's it's fun for them to use as well, pretty uh, user-friendly. But one other thing I do is, because I use Class Dojo, it's a points system. And um, I know some of my kids this last, I guess the second week of distance learning, were really struggling and the parents are like, we just can't get them motivated. So I reinvented Class Dojo points, and it has to look different than it was in class. So if they work really hard and earn enough points, they can skip writing their spelling words one day. Or um, the one that they're all working for is they, if they earn enough, they can have a fun Friday, which means they have less work to do that Friday and things like that. Um, this week in particular, um, I have the app called Random Name Selector, and Again, I was trying to motivate, and um, so I told him in the morning, I said, at the end of the day, I'm going to choose three people who are working really diligently. You don't know who they are. We're going to let random name selector do that. 
And it's neat because I can take, um, using iMovie, I take my recording, them seeing me, and then it goes right into um, that random name selector app that they're used to seeing in class. So it's just been fun to keep them connected, even though we're apart from each other. Yeah, but the burning question is, Judy, do you have any sparkling pythons? I mean, that is the I, burning question. No, see, <laughs> I my my great thing is I have just become a grandmother in the last six months. Oh, so, congratulations. Yes, that's hence the reason we're moving towards North Carolina to be closer to that sweet little grandbaby. So no, no sparkling pythons, but I have a beautiful granddaughter. Does that there count? you go. <laughs> that, that counts. And I know that your administrator expressed to me how sad he was that you were uh, – that you are that you are moving away, but uh, well, happy. Yeah, a bittersweet you. thing for me as well because we've been there so long. But again, that little granddaughter just has a little bit of a pull. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. Hey, Leah, walk us through what a typical day might look like for your students, or an ideal day as you kind of design the plan for your students for a day. Uh, what does that look like for your kiddos? Okay. Well, I just I I post uh, a video as per Mr. Lockerbie's instructions, one video per subject. So it's really up to the parents um, as far as structuring uh, their child's day. And that's pretty intentional because we want that I, I want every, my goal is for the children to be able to work as independently as possible because we do know parents are at home. Many are trying to work from home. And I try, um, I, so I post a phonics video and then a worksheet that they're supposed to do along with that. And we do half of the worksheet in the video. We do that together. And then also spelling. I, spelling, I, they do need to copy their words. But again, I, was, I told the class, hey, we can do things at home that we wouldn't do at school. So this is great. Let's do some fun spelling activities. So one of they can write in sidewalk chalk. They can paint their spelling words with water, um, just a paintbrush and water on the pavement. Um, they can write in their tiniest writing ever. Um, they can, or hey, they can play their own game of sparkle, uh, just as long as they're reinforcing those uh, spelling words at, at home. And then I also have um, reading, uh, handwriting, and our handwriting curriculum, I've tried to use incorporate the creative writing sort of try to merge those two together right. and not make them quite so separate um let's see what else oh and science so teaching science as well so it's really up to the parents as far as how the children's day is structured but i do uh post the videos in an order as we would in the classroom and some students might just do it all together um, some might do half of it and then save the next chunk for later. Um, but that's so about, well. about how many videos is that for a typical day? I, I definitely do two every okay. day. Every day there is a phonics and a math instruction. Most days I give a reading video where I just provide a narration and just telling about the story that they are going to read. And um, just reminding them of the different elements of reading. And um, and then, okay, I'll, I'll do a science video once, twice a week. Just because there's a little bit more work into that. And um, and so I don't do it every day. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so, Judy, uh, same question. Thinking about a typical day for your students or an ideal day, what, what would that look like for your kiddos? 
Um, basically, when I upload everything to Class Dojo, I'm the same way. I keep it the same um, order that I would we would do it in a class. But again, um, similar, the students work at their pace. I have some kids who like to sit down and do the whole thing. I have had many parents mention, hey, we start off and we do our Bible, our language and math. And then we have a little bit of a break and recess because that's what they're used to at school. Um, but basically, my goal is that with all their work they have, they can finish within three to four hours in a day. But it usually um, is not always three to four hours solidly sitting. Some parents, a lot of parents do break it up throughout the day. Okay, very good. Gavin, I want to ask you this question. Judy just mentioned uh, some time frames. What, what do you think is appropriate for the lower elementary students at your school uh, to be spending on school via your distance program? Sure. That, that's kind of a hard um, question to answer generally, but in general, I wouldn't want them working more than three to four hours, like Judy said. There are some students who, who are much faster than that. You know, the high achieving students will be done much uh, more quickly. And then there are some who um, it may take a full day to get done because they need lots of breaks and um, they need extra time in math if that's where they've been struggling. And so um, generally, I would say not more than four. If they start in the morning, four hours. If they start in the morning, I wouldn't want them working past lunch. Um, but then again, I have had some some parents um, reach out and say, it's taken my child two and a half hours to do that math. Mm. Hey, and I've had to tell teachers to fight their instinct to just say, it should not take that long, you know, mm-hmm. and find out why is it taking that long? Is it a focus issue? Um, is there something we can do to help? Um, but even in our high school, I know this is mainly focused on elementary, but I've had my teachers uh, make the comment, you know, what I teach is really 15 to 20 minutes um, total without the interaction bet- between students and questions and seeing the squinty eyes, you know, that are telling us the student doesn't understand. Right. Uh, so in elementary, for sure, I wouldn't want on a, an average student working past three or four hours a day. Sure. And then there's issues of if, if a family has multiple students, there's issues right. with devices and sharing those devices. There's a lot of things to balance. So I think, I think that's a good uh, balanced answer. Uh, ladies, I want to come back to you, Judy. I'm going to ask you this question first and then Leah. Uh, what's been the most difficult subject or thing for you to teach in this distance environment? Um, I think the most difficult subject is probably math. Um, my kids have it, but as far as learning a new concept, for instance, we learned how to round since we've been distance learning and I've gone out of the box and done some different things for that, but I've had parents say they're just still not getting it. And it's hard not being able to see the little light bulb come on because they're not in front of me while I'm teaching it. So I think overall math with the new concepts is probably the hardest right now. Okay, Leah, how about you? What has been the most difficult subject for you to teach? The most difficult subject is reading because so much of our day is reading groups and we don't have reading groups anymore. Uh, Moving forward, I'm going to just have to think about more creative ways to do reading. Um, We have done some fun things as far as just when we read a poem about trains, I'll throw up a YouTube video about that shows trains so the children can listen to the rhythm of the train and poems have a rhythm to them and try to read that poem with the rhythm of a train. Um, But I do, there's only so much of that. That's only part of reading is my instruction in reading. Reading is me listening to their reading and then practicing. They do have oral reading assigned every day. And so I'm 
I, I'm sure the parents that I have are wonderful, and I know that they are reading with their children, but I miss hearing them read. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's that's good. Judy, uh, I'm recollecting that you shared with me some interesting feedback on reading. Uh, is that correct? And would you share share that with us? Um, yes. For um, what I'm doing in reading, I'm doing, again, my short video that I'm posting. Um, because I'm using the Doceri app when I record it, I can read a paragraph to the students, and then I just highlight paragraphs that they're supposed to read. They've learned how to pause the video. They'll press play again, then I'll come back on, and then we go ahead and discuss what the story's about um, after we're finished. It's kind of, it's a great book to be in right now because it's all about animals, and they're really enjoying that. I, you know, we've had some feedback with that too, but then they do a quiz to help me see if they're understanding it, but I do try and connect with each of my students um, at least once a week. Actually, I do connect with all of them once a week. Um, usually, I just do a FaceTime call one-on-one. Um, and we do reading. I had a little girl this week send me a video on Dojo saying, Mrs. Martin, I just want to read to you. And so I messaged back and said, hey, set up a time tomorrow. When does it work for you to call? And so we connect and, and we FaceTime. And usually it's not just reading, but it's just finding out what they're uh, what they're going through right then, just keeping that connection. Yeah, how sweet. Those lower elementary students are, are so sweet, aren't they? That's a... Uh- Yes. That's, a, that's a great story. Let's finish then with this uh, question. Uh, I'll go with Leah first. And it just, it's the question of words of, words of wisdom. If, if there's a, a teacher out there who's a lower elementary teacher or even just a, a teacher in general uh, who may, might be feeling a little overwhelmed, Leah, what words of wisdom would you give to them? And I'm going to ask Leah and then Judy, and then I'll, we'll finish with Gavin. Um, first of all, just have have a mindset of, of serving your students and your families. And that takes so much pressure off. And when you're, when you are thinking about, am I best, how am I best serving uh, these families? And also um, that you're not talking to an entire class anymore as a whole, you are speaking to individual students. And so um, your tone and, and, and demeanor in your videos it, it should reflect that. And um, so I like to call it, I'm in my desk mode, where I'm calling a student up to my desk. And, and that is how I, um, I teach at right now. I'm not in full classroom instruction mode. It's I'm talking to each individual student and seeing and teaching them. Thank you. Judy, how would you answer that? Um, I would have to say, be yourself. Let your kids see that, you know, the other side of you that's not at school all the time, but you don't have to be perfect. Um, I know I had this stipulation of every recording I had had to be just so. Well, yesterday my dog decided to bark through the whole video. And so I said, boys and girls, he's talking to the neighbor dogs. And I just include them in what I'm doing too. But just be yourself. Let them see that you're not perfect. Um, laugh with them. They laugh with you and um, just give yourself a break about not having to be perfect with everything. Yeah. There's no problem with the UPS or FedEx man being a part of uh, the, the classroom <laughs> setting. Exactly. Yeah. As well as our dogs, you know, uh-huh. just, you just, you just never know. It, it's exciting that way. All right, Gavin, um, wrap, wrap us up with that question. Words of wisdom for, for an overwhelmed teacher. Sure. Um, and, and this is, very common, I'm sure, but I, I have encouraged my teachers 
don't feel like you have to keep up with the teacher who teaches next door to you. Um, you know, I, what works for Mrs. Mion's students may not work for our kindergarten teacher or one of our pre-K teachers or first grade teacher. There is, there's the best that you can do and then um, push yourself beyond that a little bit. So, you know, try to connect. I've encouraged all my teachers, um, try to connect with your students live at some point during the week, especially in lower elementary. Um, I can't tell you what it does for morale for a class to get together and, and see one another. Um, and, and then just don't be so serious with yourself. Like the ladies have said, um, Mrs. Mion's cat has made an appearance in several videos. And uh, one thing that I really like that Mrs. Mion has done is when she has, um, had some bloopers, she, she shares those, she puts them together in a blooper video, um, and shares those and puts them on Facebook so everybody can laugh at her. Um, and it's really good for her students just to see, and for me too, uh, you know, that they're doing their best, but this is new for all of us. I have another teacher in the high school who um, wears a different ball cap every day, and he's showing his collection of ball caps to his students. And so, you know, he's teaching from his pantry, and he zooms in on his um, his ball cap. So I think just, just do your best, and don't be so serious with yourself. Um, don't try to keep up with someone else. Just um, do what you can for your students, and you know your students, and, and do what you can for them to help them succeed. That's good practical advice, and I still want to know if the sparkly python is chasing Mrs. Mion's cat across. across. I just had this picture in my mind. Anyway, uh, this has been very practical uh, for our listeners and very good. So, panel, I want to thank you for uh, coming on here for a few minutes and just sharing sharing what, what you've got going on in your world. And, and my hope for our listeners of this podcast is that you can just grab an idea or two that you've heard follow up with, with something for, for further information and adapt it to what works uh, for you. What Gavin was just saying at the end there is so true. You know, we don't have to be the teacher in the next, uh, well, I'd say the next room, but it's really the next house at this point, I suppose. Um, we, we need to be, be, be ourselves. And um, it's okay to fail at things. And as teachers, sometimes I think we struggle because we like to be perfectionists. You know, we like to get the A as the teacher. And so we have to be willing to try things and for things not to go well. And I like the statement that we, we fail forward. And I think that's a good statement. So panelists, uh, thank you for joining us on this episode of AACS today. And listeners, I want to thank you uh, for listening. Please share the podcast uh, with others. Pass it along. who might find it helpful. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of AACS today. God bless.